Hello and welcome to the Mind Money Soul podcast. I am your host, Laura Ann Moore. I'm a money and mindset coach and financial well-being speaker, and my mission is to help you feel good about money and learn how to use money as a tool to live your best life and work towards financial freedom, whatever that means to you. Every week, I explore the emotional, practical, and spiritual sides of money. So if you're ready to get financially confident, grow your money, and achieve your big life goals, then you're in the right place. Change your mindset, grow your money, feed your soul. Let's go. Hello and welcome to another episode of Mind, Money, Soul. And today I'm going to be giving you my top five tips to navigate the cost of living crisis. Now, I don't want to dwell on the negativity and the bad side of this cost of living crisis too much because I think there's enough of that in the news and I do try Personally, I do try and avoid the news as much as possible. I try and stay up to date, but I try not to let it infiltrate my space on a daily basis because it just gets me down. And I think there's a lot of fear mongering out there. So I think it's important to know the facts, but I don't think it needs to be something that we go into too much, basically. But I'm sure we can all agree we have felt the crunch. We have felt how our money has not stretched in the same way that it usually does. And I think to go from two years ago, being at home, making money, you know, earning an income and not spending as much because we weren't going out and hanging out with our mates and, you know, going into prep at lunchtime and stuff. And I I know that a lot of people reported being able to save more during COVID. I think to then go to a time where we are now, what feels like the other end of the spectrum, you're still having to crack on with work and do all of your normal day-to-day stuff, but yet your money really is not going as far. And I know that this happened in 2008, but I think that if you're in your 20s, you probably were too young to have really felt the effects of that. It was kind of on your parents. Um, Or, you know, you'd only just got a job, so you didn't really understand it anyway. And I think that this is the first time as young adults who are actually feeling like the pressure and like feeling the effects of inflation being so high. Like we know that money is tight. Inflation is actually at like 10%. And that's when it hit that, when it hit 10.1% in July earlier this year, um, it basically was the first time it's been that high for about 40 years. So since 1982 and yeah, September, we've basically hit that number again. And It is what it is, but I know that um, I read this stat that basically said around nine out of 10 people in Britain have reported that they felt the cost of living crisis and the increase with the top three categories being their food bills, their electricity bills and their fuel bills. And I will completely agree, not on the fuel part because I don't drive. So I actually don't know much about like fuel costs and stuff. But my food bill, Jesus, it is so, like, I get so much less for what I now go and buy at the shops. Like, before it was a joke, like, I would scan some shit at Sainsbury's, put it in the basket and be like, oh my God, 20 quid for that? What a joke. Now, like, it actually is a joke. (laughs) Um, But it is what it is. We're here and we just got to crack on with it. So let's get into the first tip. So the first tip to help you navigate this cost of living crisis is about building your emergency fund. Now, in the UK, 9% of people have zero savings 
and over 40% of people don't have enough put away to support themselves for a month in the absence of income. So the point of having an emergency fund is that you have some cash readily accessible, safe somewhere in case of emergencies. Now that emergency might be, you know, your washing machine breaks, your car breaks down, or it's the loss of income. So you get made redundant or you get sick and you have to take time off of work or whatever that is. So it basically is something there to support you to pay your bills so that you need to survive without having to take out credit or basically get you into unmanageable debt. Now, the way to do this and the way to create your emergency fund target goal is basically figure out how much it costs to be you. How much is your your how much do you need to survive basically? So that's rent or your mortgage your food costs, your travel costs, electricity, water, bills, all that kind of stuff, all of the basics. It's not your gym, it's not your Netflix, you know, it's not your subscriptions like that. It's just the basic necessities that you need to live. Once you've got that number for one month, you basically just then need to times that by three for three months or by six to get six months worth of living expenses saved. Now, that calculation is basically going to help you set a number to work towards, to slowly build up to, so that you can comfortably say, if I lost my job or if something happened, I have X number of months worth of time without having an income that I can still survive and pay my bills. And you basically want to save that in a bank account that you have immediate access to. But if you struggle, if you're someone who's like, oh, the problem is that I always dip into my savings. I always go back in there. I I just don't think about the long-term sort of positive benefits it's having. I'm thinking in the moment, maybe I'm using it to buy something or whatever that is. So try and use an account where you can lock your money away and you can't touch it. So it doesn't necessarily have to be in like a fixed term account where you don't have access to it for like three years because that would completely negate the point of having access to it. I'm talking more like either an account that you get where you don't even set up the banking details or the app on your phone. So you've got it, you maybe move money over into it as a direct debit, but you don't actually have access. So it puts friction between you and moving money out of it. Or you can use... um, bank accounts and savings accounts where it does like it locks it away for a small like period of time now I am a major fan of the Zopa smart saver account because they basically let you lock your money away for like 7 31 and 90 days I think it is and that is just a great way to build the habit of not touching your um your money basically so you can save up You know that you've got immediate access to it within a short period of time and you're working towards having that emergency fund saved just in case anything happens. Okay, number two is revise your budget and make a plan for your money. Now, the reason why you want to create a plan for your money is not to be restrictive or to hold yourself back. It's actually to give you that peace of mind that you know that your bills are covered. So similar to the emergency fund when you're creating um, your target goal number, you want to basically work out what are the bills and the essentials that you have to have money for. So this is the thing such as rent, electricity, etc., that you will put in your budget that you know the bill is going to come out on a certain day at a certain time at a certain amount and that you have that money there all good to go. There's nothing worse than 
getting paid and then not realising you've spent money that was actually meant for bills, especially if all of your bills don't come out on payday. Now, that's the ideal scenario, right? You get paid on the first, on the second, every single bill comes out and that leaves you with the money that you can spend. Now, life doesn't work like that. You could try and set them all up like that, actually. But if they come out throughout all the month on all different days, or if you are someone who doesn't even get paid monthly and you get paid weekly or fortnightly, you want to make sure that you have money to cover your bills. So creating a budget is going to be the thing that helps you. Now, if you haven't downloaded it already, I have a monthly spending planner template that you can download and I can put the link in the show notes, but that basically helps you map out all of your money, knowing where it needs to go. Now to add on to this, what I would recommend and this is just a little top tip that I like doing. This is how I manage my money. Have two separate accounts. Have one for your bills and one for your spending. So you get paid on payday. You move a bunch of money over. Well, you can get paid into your bills account. And then you work out how much needs to go on your bills, how much you have left over to spend. And you move what is left over to spend into a separate spending account. Now, what that allows you to do is you can spend throughout the month as you wish without needing or worrying that you've pay- you've spent your bills money. Now I love using Monzo and I've also got a Starling because they are great like uh, fintech apps that basically help you in the moment to see where your money is going. You're literally getting notifications straight away. Some of them have some really cool visual trackers, but essentially you're able to say, let's say you get paid a thousand pounds. Let's say your bills are 600 pounds. So you've got 400 pounds left over. 600 goes into your bills account. 400 goes over onto the spending account and you can just tap away, making sure that you only spend that 400 pounds throughout the month. Now, obviously this doesn't take into account savings and financial goals, but hopefully that just shows you the benefit of having a bills and a spending account. And to add to that, you want to make sure that even during this time where we're all struggling and we're feeling the crunch, that you are still budgeting money in for fun and socialising. You don't want to restrict that from your budget because that isn't fun. That sucks. And like, we still deserve to socialise with our friends and enjoy life. It's just about maybe finding ways to do it cheaper. So instead of going out to all these bougie restaurants or going for expensive cocktails in the city, you go to a friend's house and watch movies or go to a pub and, well, I would say go to a pub and drink beer, but it's probably just as expensive. But you know what I mean? It's finding cheaper ways to hang out with your mates. Because really socialising helps us. I don't know actually which happy hormone it is. I think it releases dopamine or serotonin or oxytocin, one of them. But basically it's going to help keep you happy and it's going to help your brain feel good and it's going to be really good for your mental health. And especially as we go into these darker, colder months, socialising is still really important. So make sure that you budget in money for fun. Okay, next up, we're going to talk about debt. So tip number three is if you are struggling to clear debt, Have a look at the debt hierarchy to understand which debts are essential to clear and which ones can wait. So you basically need to think out about which are the priority debts. So these are the ones that have the most serious consequences if you don't pay them. Now, they're not necessarily the largest debts or the most expensive 
debts, like the ones with the highest interest rates. But if you don't pay them, they're the ones that could get you in trouble. So these are things like court fines, your TV licence, gas and electricity bills, um, income tax and national insurance, mortgage and like uh, rent and like any loans against your home. So things like that. And also council tax, very, very important. I think you can actually go to jail if you don't pay your council tax. So yeah, they are like top bills to pay, uh, top debts to pay. And then your sort of non-priority debts are things like your overdraft, personal loans, um, bank loans, credit cards, store cards, home, like, you know, like the in-store cards um, and anything you borrow from friends or family. So essentially that priority list of debts is going to help you figure out which ones are most important to pay. So if you're looking at your debts and you're going, I cannot physically afford to stay alive, survive, pay all of my and pay all of my bills and pay all of my debts. So what you need to do is basically rank them in order of priority or at least put them into priority and non-priority and make sure that the priority ones are being covered and that the non-priority ones don't just ignore them and bury your head in the sand but reach out to the providers or the lenders and just have a conversation with them be really honest and I think sometimes the problem with debt is it can make us feel really ashamed and there's so much yeah shame and guilt attached to having debt that it keeps us quiet but that only makes the problem worse the best thing you can do is reach out and ask for help now there are some amazing debt charities like Step Change and the Citizens Advice Bureau um, who are amazing. They give free debt advice or you can reach out to your banks and a lot of banks can, you know, depends on who you speak to, but usually the customer service team are really amazing and will always understand. And I think everybody knows that everyone is, is in a tough, you know, tight position right now. So yeah, reach out and help. Now I had a look at some stats about debt in the UK and it's crazy because at the end of August, 2022, the outstanding consumer credit lending was 205 billion pounds, which had risen by nearly 700 million from the previous month. And out of that, 62 billion was credit card debt. So I think the average credit card debt per household is two and a half, about 2,244 per household and 1,100 per adult. So having consumer debt is like common, like a lot of people have it, but it's the way that you manage it and also the way that it makes you feel. So the best thing you can do is use a debt management tracker or plan to, so kind of like part of your budget, but to figure out the hierarchy of bills, the minimum that you need to pay on all of them and how you're going to pay off this debt and when you're going to be debt free by. So just understanding that, like I've worked with a lot of clients who have debt and we, all we do is we sit down, we look at all of the debt, we work all out you know, just who you owe, how much, what the balances are. And even though nothing changes, they get to the end of the session and they're like, I feel like a new person because just that information in itself has been so empowering. So yeah, that is another thing that I would recommend is to sit down and go through that. So you know that over the next months to come, that you're covering the right debts and you know what's going on with your debts. Now, number four is about diversifying your income. Now, I think that the problem that we have is we're in this like, side hustle culture at the moment where everybody is trying to monetize their hobbies. Now, this is a bit of a catch-22 because how amazing that we live in a world where we can take a hobby or something that we're passionate about and make money from it by going on the internet, setting up a social media account, using websites like Fiverr and Upwork to sell our work, like really fucking cool. But on the flip side, 
part of this monetization of all of our hobbies has come from capitalism, being told that we're not good enough as we are, that we constantly need more money and also constant rising prices that we're trying to live up to so we can just fund a normal lifestyle. So yeah, it's a bit of a bit of a double-edged sword. Is that the right way to say it? Um, but if you are looking for other ways to increase your income, I mean, the reason why we want to do it, right, is you don't want to rely on one income source, one employer, because if anything happens and that one employer can no longer pay you, well, that's it. You no longer have an income stream. Whereas if you diversify your income streams, you are then not relying on just one sole source. So there are loads of different things you can do. You could do, you know, you could do random things like surveys, money surveys online, selling your stuff or making things like Etsy and not on the high street. Places like that are really great to sell things. Um, But if you're like, A, I'm not creative and I, you know, don't want to make things. B, I don't really have anything that I can sell because I've already sold it all on Vintage and eBay. Or like, I physically don't have the time to do those things. We have to know that diversifying our income is a privilege. You have to have the time, the mental space, the access to the tools and the knowledge. But at the same time, there is a big wide world out there with loads of free information on like YouTube and podcasts, and you can learn so many skills online. So it's just figuring out what is your want to diversify your income? What is the goal? Not the want, we know what the want is obviously, but you know what I mean? You have to figure out why are you doing it? Is it because you want more money? In that case, could you also look to maybe navigate a pay rise? Can you maybe, yeah, get, get, get a bit more money from your current employer? Or is it that you want to start learning new things, start making bits of money elsewhere? And if so, just start to do a bit of research. Just look into like, what is it that you have a skill in that you could start to monetize? Now, obviously, because this episode is about navigating the cost of living crisis, the reason why you want to diversify your income is probably because you need more money right now. So doing things that are quick and easy is probably going to be the best place to start. So that's, yeah, if you Google online surveys um, or other things like that, you can definitely start doing those really quickly. The thing about social media is that, so for example, with my page, I didn't monetize it for at least a year and a half of posting. And it's a lot of work. You have to really give it a lot of work. And stats show that when you have turned a passion into a money-making side hustle, the passion for it diminishes. The love for it starts to go. So just be aware of turning any of those hobbies of yours or passions into a moneymaker because you might start to like it less. And then the final one is to remain positive and to know that we won't always be in this position. Now, when we're in a time of doom and gloom, you're reading the shit in the news. It feels like we're going to be in this bloody recession forever. Inflation is never going to stop rising and it all just feels all consuming. The best thing you can do is take care of yourself, of your own mental well-being And also know that this is temporary. It absolutely can't stay like this forever. I don't know how long it will last, but just sitting with yourself, doing some breath work, doing some journaling, doing some meditating, doing those things just to calm your nervous system down, to not be so attuned and alert to everything that is going on and just sitting with yourself saying, I am safe. I, you know, I am grateful for X, Y, and Z in my life. And just trusting that this is just a temporary period is going to really help you move forward with a more positive attitude. Now, 
the one thing about time like this is you can actually learn some really amazing money habits because you can get a bit better at budgeting. You can get a bit better at saving, about practicing mindful spending. So, you know, you can look at the positives and say, well, at least maybe I'll come out of this time with some good money habits. Who knows? But the best thing I can say is do everything you can to put yourself first and put yourself in a position that makes you feel safe and secure. So, The tips that I've given should help that, especially the creating a budget, because you'll know you'll be able to sleep better at night knowing that you're that knowing that things are covered. And we in ourselves, we're emotional beings. So we make a lot of decisions from emotions. Now, if we let um, all of this scaremongering and scary stuff get to us too much, we might end up making financial decisions from a place of scarcity and negative emotion like, you know, fear and worry and stress which ironically puts more pressure on our situation. So one thing I can say is when you are practicing mindful spending and just being aware of what emotional triggers you have that trigger you to spend money that you don't want to spend, the more we can become aware of that and we can do things to calm our nervous system and find other ways to basically enjoy ourselves is only going to help you in the long run. And this is why talking about money with your family and with your friends and even with your employer is so important because the more that you can sort of talk openly about it and, you know, air your worries, the more that you can, we can come together as a team and a collective and support each other. So that's going to be really, really important. Now, I hope that those five tips have been helpful. And if you have anything, any questions or anything you want to reach out to me and say, please do slide into my DMs um, or drop me a an email. I was going to say drop me an Instagram, but that was the exact same thing. Um, or drop me an email and I would love to have a chat with you. And if you feel like there is anybody who is struggling right now and might need this episode for some help to navigate the cost of living crisis please do feel free to share it with them and i look forward to hearing from you in the next episode bye